<laughs> Although that is a reason why there's a Jewish tradition of not all possibly buried in the land. In That's right. Wait, does that mean all the Saudis are going to get like here? So, like, can we travel? Could could people travel together? We're going to Tanya now. Okay. Oh. You have a class on Mashiach, right? Yeah, tomorrow. No. Rabbi, oh. one, 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 one class. class. We can have mole. Like a people realize they need to be mole. Okay. So, hierarchy of souls. It's going to be a fight if we get to ask Yes, that's what we're doing today. On our hierarchy of souls. new, beautiful, clean page. Yes. Okay. It's got something on it. All right. We're on page... Eight. Eight and nine. Seven, eight, eight. Seven, eight. Eight and nine. What does this mean? Why does it say 12? Because since the printing press was invented, Jewish books have been printed with Hebrew folio pages and Arabic numerals, normal pages, which means that this is folio, vav. Actually, it doesn't work this in the Hebrew. So you put the vav on one side and then you put 12 on the other and then that's how it works. All the books are like that for the most part. Would you ever say that like confuses page me more than No, they usually just say Daf Vav on the dollar. She goes, that confuses me more than Mashiach. We're not going to worry about this. Okay, fine. So the question is that the skull is godly, as we've spent a long time explaining. And one would expect that if the soul is godly, how many kinds of godly souls should there be? Infinite. Should there be? Oh, one. One. How many kinds of godly souls are there? Infinite. And are they infinitely different or are they ranked and have a hierarchy? They're ranked. ranked. There's a hierarchy. Some are at the top. Some are at the bottom. Okay, where are you? Top. Definitely the bottom. Okay, we'll find out. Okay, so this next section, the Alter Rebbe is going to elaborate on three basic levels, three basic hierarchies between souls. Okay. Um, we're going to take one at a time and flesh them out. Okay. So, we'll start with the first one. So we're on the top of the page. As with the superiority of the souls of the patriarchs and of Moses, our teacher, above the souls of our own generation, who live in the period preceding the coming of Mashiach. Okay. So that's one hierarchy. The top of that hierarchy... <laughs> the top of that hierarchy are the souls of the patriarchs and... Moshe, and the bottom of that hierarchy would be us. Well, so I guess we figured out where we are on the hierarchy. Okay, now we have an analogy, which are as the very soles of the feet compared to the brain and the head. Okay. So if you want to understand the difference between our souls and the souls of the patriarchs and Moshe, we would say that the souls of the patriarchs and Moshe are to our souls as the brain and the head are to the soles of the feet. Don't get confused with the word soul. Okay. Now, whenever we have an analogy, what do we need to do? That's right, we need to figure out what it means. Okay, so now, first off, you notice that he uses, he compares, there's, he compares the brain and the head to the souls, right? So there's actually two things. There's the brain and there's the head. Those were the same thing. And what would he have said? One or the other. One or the other. Okay. But for now, we're going to treat it as one thing. Okay. So, in what sense is the brain and slash head superior and the top of a hierarchy and the souls of your feet are at the bottom of a hierarchy? Well, there's the obvious is that your brain and your head are on the top of your body and the souls of your feet are at the bottom of your body. But Chassidus would just say that that physical arrangement is an indication of something else. Because obviously you can't carry that over and say that some souls are physically above other souls because souls aren't physical. So in what sense is the brain and the head at the top of a hierarchy and the souls are feet at the bottom of a hierarchy? Yeah. It's unrelated. It's unrelated? I don't know. Maybe because that's his, because that's probably his proper name, Moshe Rabbeinu. Yeah, and that's like the same way you would like capitalize Rabbi in front of Kaufman, probably for that reason. Just, just my guess. I don't know. All right, why is the head superior to the soles of the feet, such that there's a hierarchy between them? Okay, so there's the issue of control, right? But I said physical spatial relationship doesn't work because you can't carry that over to souls, right? 
We say the physical spatial ishim is just a representation of it. So one thing is that the head controls the feet, the feet don't control the head. That makes sense? Just one thing at a time. Okay, I want to stop here because someone should ask me a question that I seem to be contradicting myself from yesterday. What did I speak about yesterday about hierarchies at the end of class? Anything with with, power hierarchies are bad and we're just now talking about a hierarchy where the difference between the top and the bottom is that the top controls the bottom. Yeah. We'll get to that in a second. We'll get to that in a second. If we say, just, you have, there's going to be a lot of things in this analogy. Okay, Let's take one thing at a time. One thing that makes the head superior to the feet is that the head controls the feet. The feet do not control the head. That should hopefully make sense to everybody, yeah? Okay. And yesterday I said that a power hierarchy is considered to be evil in Judaism, right? So would it make sense to say that that we're using the idea that the head controls the feet as a way of showing how the souls of the patriarchs and Moshe are greater than our souls because they control us? No. So let's think about feet and heads for a second. Is it really the case that the head controls the feet by an exercise of power? Now, what are examples of when I, the way you used power yesterday in class? What were examples? It's a system. What, what were examples I used yesterday for power? The body systems? No, that was an example of not power. Tumor? Like a king? No, that wasn't an example of power. I said power could piggyback on that. I gave some really Money. quick... That's not necessarily... Have have nuts, have no, but that was good. Any not have Could have power. Yeah, withholding. Withholding money would be an example of power. Holding money, food, education. I kept using violence as the example. Do you remember that? Violence? Yes. For instance, I said, if, if the first example is used, if, 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 if one person is stronger than the other person, and so the, the stronger person tells the weaker person to do something, and the weaker person does it because they don't want the stronger person to hit them. Manipulation? Then, that's, then that was an example of power. I said, me and the bank. If the reason, right? If I decide I don't want to pay my mortgage and the bank decides do want to pay, they do want me to pay the mortgage, right? And we fight about it, who's going to hurt who? The bank's going to hurt you. I'm going to not have very much effect on the bank, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, when the, the, the issue is when you're imposing, when I, when, the, the idea of, what, or the, idea of a, the negative hierarchy is where one thing is imposing itself on something else. Using, how would money be an example of that, right? The poor person needs the money, and the rich person uses that fact to impose upon the poor person things that the poor person has no desire for, okay? Have you ever wondered why some institutions have, like, really, do, like, have really crazy things going on? Like, for instance, sometimes institutions have, like, interesting research programs and you're trying to figure out, like, why there's a research program or interesting scholarships for, like... When I was in university, there was strangely a scholarship for Jewish descendants of World War II veterans um, who were interested in studying physical sciences. Like, why did the University of Minnesota think that that was a good idea? They did not think it was a good idea. They were like, what would be the best use of our funds? (laughs) What happened was there was probably some rich person who's probably Jewish. Probably they or some relative of theirs that they were very fond of was very into the physical sciences and they or relative was, was a World War II veteran and therefore they decided to donate money on condition that the university be very specific what they do with it, right? Okay. So when the rich person attaches conditions to giving the poor person money, now the poor person has to do something or you don't get the money, right? now the poor person, or in this case the university or whatever it is, they're now doing something that they have their own have no interest in doing. Okay? Is that how the brain controls the feet? It's like the feet have their own agenda. They'd be off doing their own thing. But, nebuch, what are you supposed to do? Like, if we don't get from the brain, then we're, we're gonna, the brain's going like, like, to withhold whatever. I don't know the blood flow from, from us, and so we're kind of have this level of coercion and position to, to obey the brain. Is that how the feet relate back to the brain? 
Is that how the brain is relating to the feet? No. Okay. So we have to differentiate between, and again, the, the English words are irrelevant here. We didn't have the concepts clear. Between a concept of control versus exercising power over. And exercising power over, the, the powerful and the, and, the, and the powerless, they have different agendas. They're trying to pursue different things, but because the powerful are powerful, they can force, coerce the powerless to do something. Correct. They don't have conscious awareness. That's exactly. So, so clearly here, the idea of powerful and powerless is not the way to think about it. Right? The way to think about it is like this. What are the legs? What are they, what are they there for? Why are they part of the body? Mobility. Mobility, right? Okay. This, but but the, mo- the value of mobility is not in the legs, right? Like the, in other words, legs are good for mobility, but do the legs themselves need to be mobile? Like if there, if there was just a pair of legs just hanging out there, like that strangely, um, whatever, that's going to gross people out. I'm not going to say that. No, say it, say it, say it, say it. No, say it. The most common body part to be washed up on shore fully intact are feet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> see, so it's like, but nobody's like, these feet, you know what, no one looks at the foot, no one looks at the foot, no one looks at like a, dis, a, a, a dismembered foot and says, you know what the problem with this foot is? It's not mobile, right? It's not like, the value of the foot is, is in mobility, but it's not that the foot itself needs to be mobile. Who needs to be mobile? The person, right? Right? Yes. Yes. We can talk about why that is later. Okay. Okay. So, so the thing is like this. It, it the it's, it, it's not fair to say like there's the foot, and then the head is coming along and telling the foot you've got to do what I say. No. What really is like this is their foot. Its whole value, its whole purpose is in. Giving, allowing the body to be mobile. But what gives it the sense of where to, where to take the body doesn't come from the foot, it comes from the head. So in a certain sense, the foot being able to fully function as a foot depends on its receiving its instructions from the head. That's not the head exerting power over and imposing on the foot, that's actually the head doing what? allowing the foot or enabling the foot to fully be a foot. But now, the reverse is not the case. If God forbid someone loses their feet, the head can still be a head. Right? So there's this, there's this asymmetry here. In order for the foot to really be a foot, it needs to receive its instructions from the head. But in order for the head to be a head, it doesn't need to receive anything from the foot. So, what would, so therefore, there's a hierarchy here. The foot depends on the head for its for its fulfilling its purpose by getting its instructions, but the head doesn't rely on the foot in order to be a head. Right? God forbid someone without feet, they're not their head is not in any less of a ability to function as what a head is supposed to be. Okay. Now, if we just take that one idea before we make it complicated, and we go back now to say the souls of the patriarchs and Moshe versus this generation, what would that mean? If they're we like the heads and we're like the foot. We rely on them. We rely on them for what? Instruction. And that instruction is an imposition on our souls or actually enables our souls to be fulfilled and truly be themselves? Second. Second, right? Just like the foot. The, the instructions the foot gets from the head don't come at the expense of the foot. They actually enable the foot to fully function as a foot. Now, the reverse, though, is not the case. Do the souls of the patriarchs and Moshe need input from us in order to be what they are? No. Yeah. Even though, like, you could say that through us trying to bring a ship, then we are, like, trying to help their souls be oh. their souls. Very good. Okay. So, one of the things we have to differentiate, one of the things we have to differentiate here is there's different kinds of hierarchies. Okay? And I mentioned this yesterday, that if you have different kinds of hierarchies, then you end up like avoiding the whole power situation. Okay. 
and especially the case of a sense of everything is unified as one. If the head wants to be somewhere and it's not there, then all of a sudden, what does the head depend on? The feet, right? So is the head depending on the head for being a head or for accomplishing its objectives? In other words, let's say you want to learn something in this class, but you're currently in your dorm room. Yeah. So you, now, who depends on who? The head depends on the feet or the feet depend on the head? Which part of you does the learning? The head. But the head can't learn if the head is stuck in the dorm room, so how is the head going to get here? So then what's depending on what now? The head depends on the feet. However, is that the head depending on the feet in order to be a head or in order to accomplish an objective that it has? On the other hand, the dependency of the feet on the head is different. If you separate the head from if the feet from the head, right, then the feet just aren't feet, right? And it's like a foot that's a foot that doesn't receive instructions from the head basically has lost all value as a foot, right? If a foot is the part of your body which is supposed to move from place to place and it's no longer receiving instructions from the head for whatever reason, its value as a foot has disappeared. So there's a very big difference between saying the kind of intrinsic value of your being depends on something else versus you are helping somebody accomplish a goal. Okay? Let's make this interpersonal for a second. Okay? Do students depend on teachers? Yeah. yeah. Why? Because you have knowledge that we don't. Okay. Now, but that's only in as much as the fact that you have a goal of learning. What if you don't have a goal of learning? What? Then you do nothing for the students. That's right. So, so that dependency, that dependency, in, is not part of your being. It arises only because you have an objective, because you have a goal, because you want to accomplish something, right? Now, that's the way the head is dependent on the foot. If the head has a goal, and now the foot becomes the means by which it accomplishes the goal, then the foot depends on the head. But what if the head doesn't have a goal to move anywhere? What if the head is perfectly happy where it is? Does it need the feet anymore? No. But the feet have no, they have no, no value, no being, other than the fact that they move the person around, and that is impossible without receiving instructions from the head. So the foot depends on the head in a much deeper way, in a much more intrinsic way that goes to the core of the being of the feet in a way that the head doesn't depend on the feet. It's not that it doesn't depend on the feet at all, but in a certain sense it's more superficial. It requires the head to have an objective that requires the head to be somewhere else, and only then the head depends on the feet. So. Do the forefathers of Moshe depend on us? We take this analogy all the way through. Do they depend on us? Sure they do. Do the forefathers of Moshe want to bring about the coming of Mashiach? Which is the ultimate purpose of existence? Yes. Do they depend on us for doing it? Yes. So in that sense, they depend on us. But it's very different. Their dependency on us has that superficial quality because they have a goal, because they have an objective. Whereas, what is it saying about our souls relative to their souls? We can't function without. We can't function. We can't be what we are without them. Okay. Now, let me illustrate this. You ever wonder why we spend a lot of time reading stories about the patriarchs and Moshe? Like that's basically the whole Chumash, is the stories of the patriarchs and Moshe. Why are we doing that? That makes us who we are. The, the, the expression that you'll find in our sages is Maisa of a Simon Lebonim. The acts, the events of our forefathers, that's an indication of the lives of the children. So, which means the foot is always playing out what was already predetermined in the head, right? Like when you decide to go somewhere, so then the foot just acts that out. So, then really, what are all of our lives, the lives of all these souls, all the lower souls, what are they doing? They're just bringing out into reality something that was already true, already existed in the lives of the forefathers. Can you just repeat the events of our forefathers? Are a sign for the children. Right. So, it's not like Avraham is saying, I'm going to make those people living in 2019 do something, whether they like it or not. That's not what we mean. 
What it means is those souls that are alive now, what is it that gives them their, their identity, their direction, their sense of being, what makes them who they are is coming from the souls of the forefathers and Moshe. But what makes Moshe and the forefathers, what makes those souls who they are, does not come from us. Okay, so there's a sense of, of being, if you like the word destiny, that's flowing from them to our souls, not the other way around. In that sense, there's a hierarchy. Yeah. Uh, because it doesn't say this here. You know who else in this scheme is a head soul? Well, we're right now with head souls and foot souls, right? Generationally, right? So who else would be a head soul in this scheme? Mashiach. Because the same dynamic also works from, from Mashiach, which is that, which, which is that Mashiach, the, the soul that, in, that resides in the person who ultimately is Mashiach, that soul is not receiving its identity or its being or instructions of what it's supposed to be from, this, from the other souls. In fact, the reverse is the case. So it's not actually a temporal thing. In fact, between, you can even go further. You can even go back into the Chumash, right? The patriarchs and Moshe are singled out, but between the patriarchs and Moshe, there are a bunch of other people. Now, the real truth of the matter is that these are just giving you the two ends of the heart. It's actually much more involved and much more complicated. Just like the human body is not head and feet, so too the souls dispersed over generations are not just head and feet. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for someone to ask that. Um, the, matriar- the, the, the matriarchs are heads. And then, but but so. if you would like to know who are the arms, do you want to know who the arms are? Sure. Prophets. Um, Kings. No. So 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 the 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 arms. Has anyone heard of the two so- the, 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 the the sons of Aaron who died? Yeah. Yeah. So they were arms. Just what made them I, I, look, I could, I could, like, like, uh, you could open works of Kabbalah, and the works of Kabbalah go through and outline different, you know, different souls, where they fit. But there is this, in other words, where there is this idea, and let's, let's zoom out for a second, is that all of the godly souls throughout all of history are really like one giant person, one giant body. Some of those souls function as the head. Some of those souls function as the souls of the feet. But if we get more particularly, it's not just those two categories. Those are the extremes. What makes them the arms? What? What makes arms the arms? So one of the things that's the difference between the arms and the feet um, is that you'll notice that we move our arms in order to communicate without realizing it. Yeah, and let people do that. Mm-hmm. So whereas your feet, you make a decision to be somewhere else. There's a level of psychological disconnect between the head and the feet that doesn't exist between the head and the arms in most people. And that closeness, that affinity of the arms to the, when you're explaining something, you move, you do things. I mean, now I just do that intentionally. Um, so when getting into the way different souls receive and are influenced by the head souls, there's a difference between some souls and other souls. The head souls have a much more close affinity and directly influence the arm souls than they do the feet souls. There's more differences, but that's one of them. Yes. Um, so we're saying that the feet have no. I'm having trouble with the idea that the feet have no inherent, like intrinsic. So value. think about it very graphically. You top chop person's feet off. Right. Which part do you throw in the garbage afterwards? Right. No, I get that. That's all I mean on that <laughs> level. Like, but like, you could also say, that, could you not also say that about the head? Like, if you chop someone's head off, then like the head has no purpose if there's no body. So that's actually a, a very more complicated thing, which is when you do the head and the vital organs of, let's just go, let's just say the heart and the lungs for a second, because that's the ones that are usually used. That's actually a whole back and forth in chassidus as what the hierarchy is between the two of that. So I'm, like, I'm not going to get into that. I'll just say that, that, that that's not so simple. 
That's not so simple. So, and also this is probably coming from like a human ego standpoint of like, I want to feel like me and henceforth my little souls have like Right. But that's, I mean, that's why I'm That's actually part of the problem, right? Now imagine what would happen if the cells and the souls of your feet are like, we want to have our own little life thing going on. We don't really care, right? And they start multiplying to make themselves bigger and bigger. Right. That's not good. Yeah, that's exactly the problem, right? This is a direct threat to the extreme value we place on being an individual, an autonomous individual. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're not important. It just means that your importance is being contextualized and stemming from something beyond yourself. Because you saw it, because we're talking about we're talking about the soul. We're not talking about the entire human being, right? Remember the soul. There's the there's the godly soul. There's the animal soul. There's the body, and all that comes together. You have the human being. Free will is only manifest when you have all elements come together. I'm not going to say more than that, but we're just talking about the souls in the abstract. Both godly and just godly soul. These are just godly souls. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'll tell you like this, and I'm going to say this, with, with, and then I'm going to like... There is an idea in Judaism that the physical reflects the spiritual. Okay? Which means, why does the Torah make a big deal about how the four mothers were beautiful? Why does the Medrash discuss the size and body shape of different people? Okay? So there is an idea that the physical reflects the spiritual. That being said... That requires a level of spiritual connectedness that is extremely uncommon. And as you move further and further away from um, God's presence being overtly revealed on earth, that fails to, to... So in other words, like this. The fact that Sarah was beautiful was a reflection of the fact that she was spiritually... Um, sort of beautiful. The fact that a person nowadays is beautiful does not indicate anything. And the fact that a person is ugly does not indicate anything. Therefore, the same thing is true, the same thing, the same thing is true in the, with the disease, that a particular disease does not necessarily indicate some sort of particular corresponding things with spiritual. It may, it may not. The general assumption in nowadays should be, it sh you shouldn't assume so unless some, someone with prophecy tells you. Um, I ha there are unique, interesting things like that, but as a general, you should not assume that. And I'll go a step further and to say, if you do assume that about other people, it's cruel. And if you assume it about yourself, you're probably gonna make yourself sicker because you won't actually take care of yourself, okay? Um, so like the foot represents our loyalty to God and someone's like, I've got an infection in my foot so I should just work on being more loyal to God and the infection will disappear and then in the meantime, the gangrene spreads. It's not a good idea. Now, again, if a person is extremely in tune with the ultimate godly reality of the world, then yes, their physical ailments do actually reflect some sort of spiritual thing and their physical successes reflect a spiritual thing. But when you talk about people that are like us, don't assume that. So it is an idea, but it's not generally applicable. Yeah. The sociological phenomenon that we like prefer pretty people and that like we treat pretty people better, is that left over yeah. from yeah, that that's left over. How long has it been at left least, over versus well, it, well, it's not like it was a cutoff point, but Shlomo Melch in, in, in Mishle, in his uh, Proverbs, he does say, Sheker achein vehevel hayofi, which means um, grace is false and beauty is vain. And what he's basically saying is that, that this idea of how the, the charisma and beauty having this effect on people in and of itself is void and meaningless. So, so already by King Solomon's time, this was already a common phenomenon of like, a simple level he felt the need to point it out. Right, so I'm saying, so I'm saying it's, not, it's, not like, it's not like one day it all it switched. There's an, right, reality is more complex. But, but apparently, already by Shlomo's time, that this was enough of a thing that he felt the need to point out that yes, beauty can indicate a deeper spiritual beauty, but it doesn't necessarily. How many, how, when, about when was this historically 
Shlomo Melech is like 2,800 years ago. That's like a long well, I, the thing is that these things are much more gradual, and they're not. It's not like it's like boom. But if even by then we were recognizing that societally it's not correlated, sure, like the old grandmas are still gonna say, "Oh no, beautiful means it's better." But like, but like my grandmother still. Yeah, because it's but it's built, but it's but it's but when you say it's leftover, it doesn't mean it's left over just because people believe it. It's leftover because on some gut level, people have a sense of how the world ought to be. A lot of, okay. uh, uh, one of one of the things that that, that um, Kabbalah points out is that most human tendencies that are intrinsic actually come from some underlying sense of how the world ought to be, and then they get mistranslated. Um, that's why people like I'll just give you an example. Why is it that when people see injustice, they're like, it shouldn't be that way. The world's been unjust for like, thousands of years. Like, come on, get over it. That's just the way the world works. Life's not fair. Why do people keep feeling there's something wrong when they see injustice? Because on some level, we have a sense that it's not supposed to be that way. And on some level, people have a sense is that physicality should reflect spirituality. And if it doesn't, something's off about it. And we can be mature enough to realize that and rationally make the appropriate decisions, but on some deep instinctual level, there, that's still there. Uh, yeah? How do we bring Mashiach, Mashiach if we're just like, oh, the world's injustice and say that like that? You're not supposed to say that. Oh. I'm just saying, I'm saying, <laughs> I was just saying, why is it that people don't ever just, uh, just get to the point the world is just, just don't stay that way? Oh. People don't do that because these things are, as much as, there's always, one of the basic, there's, everyone's heard of Sigmund Freud? Mm-hmm. So Sigmund Freud is famous for discovering the unconscious. Um, so there's a, there's a, a, a saying which is attributed to the Rebbe, um, I'm not sure that they ever said it, but it's it's very it's like very believable that he did um, something to the effect of, and I've heard different versions of it, but that that um, Sigmund Freud dug deep into the human unconsciousness and found garbage. I don't know if you've ever read any Freud, but but he thinks what's going on in our unconsciousness is pretty disturbing. Um, and then Chassidus just digs a little deeper, and if you dig a little deeper, you find beautiful stuff. And the analogy of that is if you dig in the ground, you find dirt, but if you keep digging below that, you find gems. Um, and the idea is, therefore, that a lot of things that um, are gut-level instincts, if you go deep and deep and deep and deep enough, there's actually a very positive basis, and that never gets erased from humanity, and that's ultimately a good thing, but it needs to be discovered and redeemed and blah, blah, blah. Yeah? When we say that the souls at the bottom rely on the souls at the top for instruction, do we rely on them for existence, too? Or just like instruction. Oh, so that so so now I want to get more specific. Now I want to get more specific. So let's actually break this apart. Let's take the foot. Number one, if you cut the foot off from the head, it will die. So there's so I think existence is pretty much on that list. Okay, which means that the souls of the lower generations, the very fact that they exist depends on their link, whatever spiritual link they have to the souls of Moshe and the forefathers, etc. And if that link could theoretically be cut somehow, what would happen to the lower souls? They would die. Would the upper souls die? No. Okay, so that's one aspect. The second thing is it's not just, again, that the foot needs to be connected to the head so it doesn't die. There's also another thing, which is that the foot, if the foot is going to do anything, the instruction for that is ultimately sourced in the head. Okay. There's another thing. This one requires a little bit of creative thought or abstract thought to think about. Your foot exists in some sense in your head. And what does that mean? Your foot exists in some sense in your head. It's not just that you can think of it. Has anyone heard of Has anyone heard of this idea of um, of phantom limbs? Yeah. Okay. In other words, like this: in our brain. We actually have a sense of our own body, and it's through that kind of modeled version in our own brain we experience ourselves. So for instance, when somebody touches your foot, what's actually happening is that you're not feeling it in your foot. Where are you feeling it? In your brain. 
So why does it feel like it's happening in your foot? Because your brain is modeling the foot. The brain has a sense of a foot. And in its sense of a foot, now it's going to experience being touched in the sense of the foot. Which is why you can actually have this sense that someone's touching your foot without a foot. Okay? So for instance, if so, God forbid somebody has their fist clenched like this. First off, just everyone clench their fist really tightly. You can feel that? Okay. It hurts? Okay, okay. now, if this is unfortunately happens to real people. Their fist is clenched and, and then their hand gets cut off somehow, God forbid. So now, you know what that feels like from then on for many people? This. It feels like that because what the feeling is the, not the clenching of the actual fist, but the clenching of the mental f- model of the fist in your mind. But because they know they don't have a fist, they can't convince themselves that they're opening it. That's so uncomfortable. And it's extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> you know what they figured out treatment for this? This is amazing. You like fake so Is they you use like mirrors mirror. to get the person yeah. to use a mirror so it looks like to you like you have your arm there. They say clench this fist. And they have mirrors so you look seems over there. And they say unclench, unclench the right fist, which they don't have anymore. Oh, so and it tricks the a mind. And now the mind can convince itself to open the mental fist. And then the pain goes away. Wow. Which means that you actually have every part of your body, you have the physical version, which is in the physical world, but then you have the mental version in your mind. And it's the mental version that is the one that's having all the experiences happening. So much so, you could literally have an experience of the mental hand where there is no even physical hand. What's it called? Phantom pain or phantom limbs. Phantom limbs. No, it's a huge issue. The clenched fist one, because the clenched fist one is something you can do by choosing to relax the fist. But other phantom pains, no. I'm wondering if you've heard of I have not heard of a solution. Yeah. If the pain is not the kind of thing you can voluntarily get rid of by like unclenching your fist. And they. Okay. So what does that mean? Okay, so what does that mean? What that means is that in some sense, the head contains the limb, not the physical limb, but some sort of a, for lack of words, a spiritual sense of the limb, okay? Which means, okay, now, right? And, and, so, and, and so it's not just, okay, there's, there's a superficial reading, which is that like, if God forbid, like the foot is cut off and you touch the foot, the foot can't feel anything. But if the foot is still attached to the body and you touch your foot, then your foot can feel something. That's superficial. The deeper thing is that when your foot is cut off, the foot can't feel anything. And when your foot is attached to your body, your foot also doesn't feel anything. What's feeling? You. The head. So why does it feel like it's the happening in the foot? Because it's happening in which part of the head? The foot, the representation of your foot in your head, that's where the feeling is taking place. The foot part of the head. <laughs> right here. Yeah. Okay. This part. Um, just kidding. What? It's back here. What? The balloon you drew at the very beginning. Yeah. Okay. So now. Remember, it was like a smiley face attached Yes. There's a lot of emphasis on smiley faces and feet, yes. Because the patriarchs, they're always happy. I wouldn't want to do it looked like a balloon because it was like had a string. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now. So let's run. So let's run through this. On the one hand, so let's run through this. A few things. There's three things we've said. Number one, if you cut off the foot, God forbid, it will die. Like, like it will literally start to decompose. That's bad. Number two, the physical movements of the feet are being directed by the head, right? Number three. Whatever you're experiencing in your foot is not actually being experienced in your foot, but in the brain, part. The, brain, the, the, brain the part of your brain which has a model of the foot. Okay? Fourth thing. Are we going to come back to how that applies to the foot? Yeah. Yes. I'm going to all, all of the, yes. I want to just make sure. So there's, there's four things. The fifth thing. Wait, what's the fourth one? So the fourth thing. Yeah. The fourth thing. There's going to be four. The fourth thing is like this. With your head, you can learn chassidus. You can learn tanya. That's what we're doing right now, right? Yeah. Can you do that with your foot? Nope. No. Is there stuff... Is, there, is your foot on a very basic level no different than, say, the foot of a chimpanzee? Yeah. Or a rat, for that matter? Exactly. Or a rat, for that matter? Yeah. yeah. 
which means on the level of your foot, you are essentially an animal. The f- right? On the aspect of having a foot. Yeah, in other words, if we are to, if we are to def- understand the human being from the perspective of a being with feet, then essentially we're thinking of you as an animal. In order to think of you as a person, we can't think of you as a being with a feet. We have to think of you as a being with a head. Because the, the thing that... Well, because the... Okay, but, but in, in terms of which part of the body instantiates the part of you that makes you distinctly human is in the head. What? And your thumbs? She want, I, I think I have a phantom limb syndrome. Never mind, I sound okay. so crazy. Okay. She thinks she has a thumb. I should have 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 a thumb. I <laughs> Don't worry, this gets censored afterwards. At least that's what they've told me. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's just run through four ways in which the head is superior to the foot. Just to review. Number one, if you disconnect, God forbid, the foot from the head, the foot will die, the head will not. So that means for its very existence in life, the foot depends on the head. The head does not depend on the foot. Number two, if the foot is going to function as a foot, it must receive instructions from the head. But the head does not need to receive instructions from the foot in order to function as a head. Number three, when you experience your foot, it is actually not the foot that's doing the experiencing, but the little model of your foot in your head that's doing the experiencing. Number four, on the level of your foot, you are essentially equivalent to an animal. What makes you, what gives you superiority over an animal, and therefore all that moral worth that we talk about, is stuff that's going on in your head. So, those are four ways in which, if, if you think about it, the head is on the top of the hierarchy and the foot is at the bottom of that hierarchy. Okay. Now, is there a sense in which the head is at the bottom of the hierarchy and the foot is at the top? Is there a sense in which the head is at the bottom of the hierarchy and the foot is at the top? Yes. What? When you're trying to walk somewhere. When you're trying to walk somewhere. When you're trying to walk somewhere. What'd you say? No. No, because... No, because we're not talking about... We're not talking about where it is. Oh, I didn't even... When you're trying to walk somewhere. Okay? Now, the reason why that is in a whole different category is because that requires the head to actually want to be somewhere. Okay? So if we... If we just talk about them on their own, taking out the idea of having some sort of goal, then we see in all these different ways the head is superior to the foot. Okay? But we also know, want to point out is we do not see the head, head exerting some sort of coercive force on the foot and imposing on the foot things that are you know, against the foot's best interest or agenda. That's not how it works. Right? Unless there's something really wrong with you, in which case I have a good psychologist for you to see. Okay. All right, now let's talk about the, the forefathers, Moshe, those souls versus our souls. Yeah. I don't know if this is way far off. Is there a Torah issue with the whole concept of face transplants that you're supposed to like externally represent something that's internal? And the face identifies people? <laughs> um, n- so, I would think not. Because Halacha recognizes that people's faces can be similar. So. But that's not. You get a whole new face attached. It's I don't know. I think they already dealt with the issue of body transplants, and as far as I understand, that there's no problem of taking another person's body part. That would be I don't. I'm not. It's not my expertise, but I, I don't know why. I don't see why it would be a problem. Um. Again, like every kind of thing, you need to be justified, but that's a separate issue. Okay. Now. So. So now let's just do our little SAT analogy thing. If you cut off the foot from the head, which one dies? Not the head. If you separate your soul from the souls of Moshe and the patriarchs, which soul dies? Ours and not theirs. 
if a foot is going to function as a foot needs to receive instructions from the head, if your soul is going to function as a godly soul needs to receive instruction from the patriarchs and Moshe's soul. Okay? If your foot is experiencing anything, it's not really your foot experiencing, it's being, I see your hands. If your foot is experiencing anything, it's not really being experienced by your foot, it's really being experienced by your head modeling your foot. If your godly soul has any godly experiences, is it really your godly soul having godly experiences? It's the patriarch's model of your soul having godly experiences. And matriarchs, but I'm just using the word that's there. Yes. Okay. And last but not least, what if we compare the 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 significance of the patri- of your head to your foot? We would say, well, on the level of your foot, you have the significance of an animal. On the level of your head, you have the significance of a human being. That's a pretty big difference, right? if we compare the significance of our souls, the significance of the patriarch, matriarchs, Moshe's soul, their significance is so much greater than ours that the comparison would be like the difference between a person versus an animal. Yeah? Do our souls die? Do our souls die? Yes, with fine print. There's fine print. There is an aspect of the soul which cannot die. But broadly speaking, the soul can die. And it can be resurrected, yes. There's an aspect of the soul which cannot die. And because there's an aspect of the soul that cannot die, it can be resurrected. But broadly speaking, yes, souls can die. Every part other than the so-called godly spark part. The is not part. What does it mean for Tichir It's not complicated right now. Okay. Yeah. I still don't get, like, if, if the whole body is cut off from the, the head, then the head has no purpose. So, like, if... No, that's not true. Keep in mind, let's, let's ignore the internal... The, 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 again, bracket the whole issue of the head's dependency and internal organs and treat that as a whole thing, because that's a com- more complicated thing. If, if, if a person... If, if you... Let's... If you have a person, God forbid who has no arms, has no legs, is on dialysis and is being fed intravenously, yes. right? They're a person. Yes. Okay. So therefore, and that person's life has value and can, you know, has meaning and blah, 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 blah. So that means that's the core of the person. So are you, are you saying that the forefathers are, like, are vital organs? So the, the, I'm going to get in... Right now, for, to make this simpler for you, when it says head and brain, tack along vital organs with it, and, and specifically vital organs that, that can't really be replaced. It's really not correct, and that be, but that requires a deeper understanding of, in Kabbalah how we understand like the heart and the lungs and blah, 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 and I don't want to get into that right okay. now. I just so wanna... It's not the case that like, if we cut off all of our present souls that like, the matrix, matrix and patriarchs would have no... Right, because the, the, our souls are like feet, or even if you want to go higher level up, right? things like arms and, and, and thighs, and not, but, but nothing, yeah. So they always have an intrinsic purpose. Right. And we sometimes do. We do to the degree that we're still attached. Okay, yeah. Yes. Within the souls, as Yeah. Are As opposed to the souls of the feet. Yeah. Are there different categories? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Because remember, there's infinite levels of souls. By breaking it up into two, head and feet, there's this very broad distinction. Like if we take the matriarchs and patriarchs out of the picture and we're just looking at yeah, yeah. the... Even in the matriarchs, patriarchs, and Moshe, there's hierarchy there too. Yeah. Right. But we're speaking very broadly. Okay. So what that means is like... yeah. Two things. One, um, when we say that the, our spiritual experiences are actually being experienced in the souls of the Avot, is that related to Rachel crying for our exile? Um, I haven't seen that explicitly, but my, it makes sense. Okay. 
other but what that what that means is basically that any time you're having a genuinely any time your godly soul has any genuine sense of God, in some sense it's the forefathers and Moshe and King David and Mashiach in some sense living through you. Oh kind gosh. Of. Yeah, like that's basically. Well, isn't that what your brain is doing when you experience stuff happening in your foot? That really confused me. That really makes me. Can you say that one more time? Like when you stub your toe. Is your toe feeling the pain? Or is your brain modeling the toe feeling the pain? And that's being, you know, somehow kind of projected onto the physical foot. In fact, little kids do this. They, like little babies. They start to re- like associate their, the model of their, of their fingers, which they feel with the actual thing outside. Yeah. So there's this, yeah. So what ends up meaning is that your and mine and all of our godly experiences of our souls are actually some kind of a vicarious experience of the forefather souls via our souls. Just godly experiences. Godly experiences, yeah. Right now I'm just doing... Because we're talking about the godly souls entirely abstract. We're not talking about the full person. We're just talking about the godly soul as an entity in a lab on its own. Not full people. Full people have bodies, animal souls, mortgages, etc. Yes? The second thing was... I, I just didn't get the last, like, implication. Like, the, the whole thing about a head is different between species, but the feet are not... I didn't say species. Not species. Uh, the, I mean, Sorry, between the humans and animals. You're right, humans and animals. Right. Right. I didn't get what the implication was for the evo. Mm-hmm. Well, let me, let me, well, let me put it to you this way, yeah? yeah? Is it morally the same thing to... And I'm not saying one is... I mean, this is, I'm asking from the perspective of Torah. People who have different views, that's fine. But from the perspective of Torah, taking a a hammer and smashing an animal's foot. That's morally abhorrent. Causes pain, it's bad, right? Doing that to a human being's foot is also bad. Are they morally equivalent from the perspective of Torah? No. But you think, but on the level of the foot, the foot is, I mean, they're both feet. What's the difference? There's some deeper intrinsic value in a person which resides in the head, and inasmuch as the foot is connected to the head, that confers a higher value on that foot. Right? So I'm not saying, so it's not that the, the head is a higher level thing than the foot, and then the foot stays lower level thing, but in as much as the foot is connected to that higher level, he kind of gets enveloped into that, right? Um, which is why if you like, right, it's a, it's, a different kind of a, it's a different kind of offense to hurt a person's foot than to hurt an animal's foot. I'm not saying hurting an animal's feet is okay, it's not. Okay. And that's because the real moral weight and value of a person's existence resides in their head, and to the, if the foot is connected to that, then that's conferred onto the foot. But in, in the foot in and of itself, well, there's nothing that differentiates it from an animal's foot. Okay. What, what's so in a similar sense, what is it that really gives, what, where, where is the real godly value of being a godly being reside? In the forefathers. So we're only godlier godly, than animals because we have... Well, we're only godlier than non-godly things. You know, it's human and animal in the analogy are substituting for godly and not godly. So yeah. we're only godly because of our connection to them. So the whole, like, we are descendants of Abraham, that's... A, that's, that's a serious God. deal, yeah. But, <laughs> that's why we open our prayers with it. Is it not because we're connected to God? No, it's because we're connected to the forefathers. Are they holy because they're connected to God? Yep. Okay, so but we, like but we are also connected to God, or we're not? Well, why, there's a reason I don't, you know, there's a reason why you don't start off just when I say saying, blessed are you, God, our God, God of me and my God and my personal God and the God who I have a unique independent relationship with and then go on and say, that's not how we do it. We say, blessed are you, God, the God of our forefathers, the God of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, right? Don't ask me right now why the mothers aren't mentioned there. But there's a reason why the prayers are like that. Like he was, he's only their God and not our God? No, he's our God yeah. as an extension of being. That's right. And as much as we're connected to him. The value that we put on a foot as being human and having all the more weight of a human being is because that foot is attached to a human head. Wait, but then what about someone who converts into Judaism? Who maybe we're talking about souls, not, not biology. So that, that person who converts into Judaism has a soul that has a the, is, around the souls that's right. of Correct. Correct, which is why halakhically they, they, this halakhically, when we, we um, they're referred to as a descendant of Avraham. Um, when you call a convert up to the Torah, you say Ben Avraham. A, con, a, a female convert's called Ben Basara. Um, 
Those things which have to do with specific historical events that relate to tribal lineage don't apply to converts. But they still have to celebrate Pesach because that's a spiritual, that, that, that is a spiritual thing that our forefathers Moshe went through that affects therefore all souls, yeah. Yes. Okay, when, when we say that our valley experiences are like coming through the patriarchs, that mean they experience anything and everything? That would be right, yeah. Which is why it makes sense to say that Rachel's crying for us. Okay. That's why I said it makes it a lot of intuitive sense. I just haven't seen that explicitly stated anywhere. Yes. When a soul gets cut off, what does, does that affect? That basically is just a fancy way of saying the soul dies. Really? Except the undiable part. That can be rejoined, but on. Yes. Can we rejoin? Yeah. We'll get to that later when it talks about what happens when we sin. It'll be unpleasant. Don't worry, we, that'll take us, that takes us to chapters 6, 7, and 8, so, you know, but, you know, next decade. <laughs> uh, where are the souls hanging out until the resurrection of the dead? In the Garden of Eden. Okay, and second That's question, sweet. because of the uh, reincarnation of souls, would the souls of the Matrix and the Patriots be reincarnated too? Correct. Or? Yeah. yeah. Oh. That's why in all the pink that's why in all the picture books of Mashiach you see all the little kids running to these like robed three robed men and four robed women because now we get to finally meet, you know, the forefathers and the foremothers. That's in all the little Mashiach picture books. Not all of them, but many of them. Well, you know, there's certain basic things in Judaism like, you know, Mashiach picture books and you know. Hashem is only, we're not even really Hashem, we're just like through the Mashiach. What do you mean, why is that not a problem? Why, what you... Like, Hashem is only important to us because he's connected to the patriarchs. And we, it's like we're not even, even connected to Hashem. Well, maybe, maybe, this, this, is, this is exactly what I want to, this is what the thing is. No, no, I meant like, are the matriarchs and patriarch souls like currently reincarnated? We'll get to that later. Okay. 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 Um, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. Sometimes you learn ideas which it's not a new idea, it's a new whole frame of thinking. Okay? okay. The fact that you're asking that question means that, that let's go back to the analogy of the foot, right? Do you normally think of your foot as a separate entity that you then need to explain what sense it has moral value and where it gets its life from? Is that normally how you relate to your foot or expect other people to relate to your foot? It would be weird if someone said like, you know, I only care about your foot in as much as I care about your head. Like that's a weird thing, right? And the reason is because even though there's this hierarchy, the integration between them is so total Right? That effectively we have to treat it as one whole thing. Okay? Now what that means is what he's saying is on the level that we are godly being, we have a godly soul, the idea that you're your own individual person living out your own individual godly life story is just it's false. And more so we can say like this, the degree to which you really feel that your own personal journey is just your own personal journey is actually a good sign as to the degree to which it's not coming, this is not an expression of your godly soul. Because in his version of your godly soul, your own individual story is totally integrated with the story in the Chumash. Such that there's a clear continuity between them. That your life depends on that continuity. The, 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 the life depends on it, just like the foot's life depends on it. The sense of direction comes from that. The, what? What? Well, right, the, right, but, but that's why it's an analogy. It's not, it's not, it's not supposed to be. A, it's not, it's not the same thing. We're speaking about. So the fact that the head has some awareness that the foot doesn't have doesn't translate into the reality, like into the muscle. The foot has an awareness of the head. The, the fact that the head has such a conscious awareness that the foot doesn't have does that translate? It into does the translate in the fact that 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 translates into. Think about it the other way. In as much as your foot is connected to your head and your head is a model of your foot, you have a sense of being in your foot 
But that sense of being your food is not disconnected from the rest of you. So therefore, a godly soul having any sort of godly awareness is really an extension of the forefathers through them. And so for the, the idea that we start thinking of ourselves as a bunch of individuals, isolated individuals, wrong. Now, at the same time, that doesn't turn us into one just generic blah, right? I mean, like, you can feel the difference between your right foot and your left foot, right? If you have one particular, if you step on, if you have a splinter in, like, the little toe of your left foot, it's distinctly there, and you can feel it there, not somewhere else, right? So it's not that the individualism, the individualness is is disintegrated. It's just this this idea that it's it's either me or it's not me. That 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 way of thinking has to go away. It's not it's not that it's the forefathers and then I'm just like hanging on the, so on it's the like, side. It's so interconnected that although you're only connected to Hashem through the patriarchs, it's like so interconnected that it doesn't need that that we have to say you are individually connected unless you do something yeah. to break it apart. Right? And that's why you, the analogy of the body is really the best analogy. Right? Nobody says, you know, when it, it, nobody says that if you, that, 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 oh, you didn't touch me. You just touched my pinky finger. Like, that's like, a, not a, like nobody normally, that's not how you process reality. Why? Because every part of the body is so integrated with the head. It's true there's a hierarchy here. Everything else depends on the head for its life. Everything depends on the head for its instructions. Right? Everything he's experienced vicariously is really the head experiencing vicariously through that thing, and ultimately the real moral significance of everything is resides in the head and then is develops into the rest of the body. Otherwise, those things are equivalent to an animal. But that's all true if you de- if, if you if you de- deconstruct it conceptually. But in reality, it's so integrated, right? That if you if you if, if you if you step on a if you step on a splinter, right? <laughs> You say, I stepped on the splinter and it hurts me, right? But at the same time, knowing that the splinter is in the small toe of my left foot. It's not a generic me. It's a very specific part of me. And so, yeah, that does, that to- this is like a very new way of experiencing and conceptualizing our sense of who we are. And that's how, if you had a godly soul and just a godly soul and that was all you were, you would experience yourself this way. But you're not just a godly soul, so you don't. But say a being who's entirely a good, their godly soul. Let me just throw this out here. Yeah. Um, if you have a being who's entirely a godly soul, like say Avram or Moshe or Sarah, yeah. How do they feel rel- about other Jews? Do they feel like there's other Jews or other people that they care very much about? Part of themselves. That's part of themselves. Do they conflate the fact that I am not them and they are not me and there's a difference between them? Do they understand there's a difference? Sure they understand there's a difference. But right? you don't, right? Your head never tries to do math with your foot or see with your ears, right? You are aware of the differences in your parts of your body. Like if you go, if you go into this analogy, you, 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 you can start to realize the idea of it all being integrated as one whole thing and it being broken up into different levels is not really a contradiction or a paradox. But when we think of things as like little physical objects, we run into a problem, yeah? If we have like little blocks, we say this is one block and this is another block, so those are two different blocks. But souls aren't little blocks. Souls are much more like the parts of a living organism. And not just any living organism, a living organism that has the that has a a, 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 a a very deep important value in its mere awareness of itself, a human being. And so, in that sense, it's not like oh, it's not like we're all supposed to like get along because like we have a shared history. There's like, I mean, this idea is actually said in the Medrash. The Medrash says this thing is that one Jew taking revenge on another Jew is like if you're if you cut your finger. Well, if you cut your finger while cutting vegetables, so imagine the, the knife, grabbing the knife with the other hand and then stabbing the first hand back. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Like, like, like that's, that's not because this what says the measure. Like, and that's, now you think like, okay, that's a nice metaphor. It's not a, it's, it's not a nice metaphor. Like, it, it, conceptually, that's the thing. Is that if, if this is what all the souls are relative to the forefathers, and and the matriarchs and all these head souls, then that what follows like that is that if I take vengeance on you. That is essentially my left hand grabbing the knife out of my right hand to poke it to say, that hurt. 
That doesn't make any sense. The only reason it seems to make sense is we have this whole different sense of ourselves, which comes from our animal soul. Isn't there a sense of our soul that we all have that's totally disconnected? Yeah, but it's not disconnected. Going back, right? if you have, if, if, if something, if you, again, using a splinter, if you feel a splinter in the small toe of your left foot, it's distinctly there, right? So there is a uniqueness to it, but that uniqueness doesn't make it a separate entity. That's what I'm saying. It's, an, it's not just a new idea. It's a, it's a whole new way of thinking. Unique and being individual doesn't come the, doesn't, is not the opposite of being part of one entity. You can be both simultaneously. And you see that in how limbs relate back to the head and head relates back to the limbs. But there's a hierarchy built into that, nonetheless. If you walk around emphasizing the hierarchy, you're kind of missing the point. But if you ignore the hierarchy, then you run into problems because then you could think like you cut off your foot and the foot will just do its own thing, which is also not true. Yes? Is there any hierarchy like this in the ecosystem? Like a... According to Judaism, yes, people are at the top. We are at the top, and then is there like a clear... Roughly speaking, the way, and I'm not gonna do it, say more than just roughly, it goes people, animals, plants. I'm going to leave it at that. What? Uh, yeah, well, inanimate objects are kind of not really part of the ecosystem. They're kind of the bedrock on which it, the substrate of the ecosystem. Yeah? I would say it's a manifestation of something that's inherent in the animal soul, because not everyone has a thirst for power. So, are, do we call our forefathers all part of the, like the head, that's that end of the spectrum of the ranking? Because there are just so many different types of souls being ranked, because even between them, like you could argue that Yaakov was much thirstier or like jealous than Abraham as a person. We're ranking them in the same place because we're zooming out. We're not, yeah, 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 yeah. This is very general. This is very, very general. Remember, he just said that there are infinite levels. He's just giving you some basic groupings. Right? I mean, really, if you want to know the soul on the top, the soul on the top would be Moshe. Moshe's souls, like, if you really had to rank all the souls, the soul that would be at the top would be Moshe's soul. Then under that would be Yaakov, under that would be Avram and Yitzchak, whatever. Which also breaks the idea that this is a historical issue. It's not really it's truly historical issue. If you then throw a Mashiach, it gets complicated, but where Mashiach goes above Moshe, below Moshe, it always gets complicated. Okay, last question. Tomorrow we're going to learn about a different hierarchy. Not the hierarchy between souls of different generations, but the hierarchy within one generation. Yeah, yeah. Nope. All right.